Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and the Fortnite party just will not end. If you aren't familiar with this story, well, then I've got a series for you. Now five videos, as of this video, will be six, in which we discuss Epic and their attempt to break what they are calling the Apple App Store and Google Play monopolies by offering direct payment processing in their Fortnite product, which, after offering that particular direct payment option, resulted in Fortnite getting removed from the Apple and Google Play stores immediately, and was then followed up by Epic suing both of those companies in a series of lawsuits that we have discussed ad nauseum, both here and on other podcasts across the internet. But we aren't so interested in this particular video in discussing the specifics of the lawsuit or the claims under the Sherman Antitrust Act or elsewhere that Fortnite and Epic Games wishes to bring against Apple and Google. No. Instead, we are going to talk about a temporary restraining order that Epic has now filed to seek to end Apple's ability to do certain things with their products. As reported in Engadget, Epic Games asks court to stop Apple pulling its developer tools next week. The cutoff date is August 28th. However, as we will see as we dive into this 34-page request for temporary restraining order and 140-some-odd page overall document send that Fortnite and Epic put up on Twitter and on their own website. If you could see the actual address here, you would see it's under unrealengine.com and .pdf. This particular document asks for a lot more than just ending Apple's ability to rescind Epic's access to its development tools. In particular, they state the following. Please take notice that on August 17th, yesterday, we're going to go before Honorable Edward M. Chen, the judge in this particular case, and ask for a temporary restraining order, or in specific to show us why we shouldn't be granted this temporary restraining order, that restrains defendant Apple Inc. from removing, delisting, refusing to list, or otherwise making unavailable the app Fortnite, including any update thereof from the App Store, on the basis that Fortnite offers in-app payment processing through means other than Apple's in-app purchase, or on any pretextual basis. So number one, they're not just asking for anything about development tools here. They are asking for the court to enjoin Apple from removing or otherwise modifying Fortnite, rolling it back to a previous version. And not just that, they're also asking them to restrain Apple from removing, disabling, or modifying Fortnite or any code script, feature setting, version, or update thereof from any user's device that Fortnite should exist as they modified it to allow Epic Direct Payment. And then further, to restrain Apple from taking any adverse action against Epic, including but not limited to restricting, suspending, or terminating any Epic entity from Apple's developer program on the basis that Epic enabled in-app payment processing in Fortnite through means other than IAP or on the basis of the steps Epic took to do so. Now, that last bit is a little bit interesting because Epic kind of hid the ball, said that they did this all through a hotfix and that that's totally normal. Apple rejects that notion, says you hid a specific thing that you were putting into your code, hid it from our review, and then say that we aren't entitled to terminate your developer relationship if you don't fix it. And so what you've got in this particular claim is not just, hey, put Fortnite back and we'll discuss this whole in-app purchasing issue, but in fact, court, put Fortnite back as we modified it to allow us to completely undercut the Apple market and they have to be fine with it because of all these various reasons that we are about to espound in this particular document. 
That's the introduction. Then you've got the index. Then you've got all these references to court cases and other precedent. And then you have how they describe what has happened here. Just over two weeks ago, Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, was asked during a congressional hearing whether Apple has ever retaliated against or disadvantaged a developer who went public about their frustrations with the App Store. Mr. Cook testified, we do not retaliate or bully people. It's strongly against our company culture. But Apple has done just that. When Epic gave users of its app Fortnite a choice of how they wanted to make purchases, Apple retaliated by removing Fortnite from its app store. Then when Epic sued Apple to break its monopoly on app stores and in-app payments, Apple retaliated ferociously. So you can see the framing here. Retaliated is a loaded buzzword. They want to establish that Apple is acting like a mobster and that the court should stop them from doing these things. Of course, the very first thing they say, the first sentence in their request for this temporary restraining order, essentially performs a little bit of sleight of hand, as has been the case with the rest of their documentation. Yes, Mr. Cook said, if you talk bad about Apple, we don't reflect that in the developer relationship that we have with you. But... Offering direct payment in breach of our terms of service is something more than talking bad about Apple. It's a direct breach. The fact that you then hid the code that you were going to use to employ that particular method is another breach, and Apple makes all of these claims. So Epic is starting out on the foot that is usual for litigators, which you're trying to make a case. You're trying to present the other side as a bad actor. We don't judge them on that premise, but it's also a little bit inaccurate and something that is, again, that kind of sleight of hand. You then see that retaliation word again. Apple's retaliation to our attempts to add this direct payment option were swift and decisive. The morning Epic made these options available, Apple removed Fortnite from the App Store, ensuring that millions of players would imminently lose the ability to use Fortnite to connect with their family and friends. Soon after, Epic filed its suit against Apple, challenging its monopoly on app stores and in-app purchases. And less than 12 hours later, Apple notified Epic it was terminating Epic from the Apple Developer Program, blocking all Epic products from distrib distribution through Apple's App Store. Apple specifically stated it would terminate Epic's access to development tools, including those necessary for Epic to keep offering the world's most popular graphics engine, the Unreal Engine. The Unreal Engine is used to develop a wide array of products, including games, films, biomedical research, and virtual reality. Millions of developers rely on the Unreal Engine to develop software, and hundreds of millions of consumers use that software. Now, as you can see from the framing here, Epic wants to establish that Apple is a bad actor, that Apple has done something untowards in retaliating against Epic for what they tried to do with Fortnite by blocking things like the Unreal Engine. One of the problems that Epic will have, and we will talk about throughout this video, is that Apple has the right, just as Epic has the right, to decide who it is going to contract with. That when you enter into the Apple developer program, you sign on to these terms of service and terms and conditions, that's fine. Epic has a problem with some of those terms of service, that's fine as well. So does Microsoft, so does Facebook, so does Hogue Law. A lot of those terms I don't think are terribly useful, and I think that people should judge Apple and say, Apple, that's not a great term to have in there. But when you sign on to that agreement and you then breach it, it's not unusual for the apples of the world to say, you, you breached our contract, fix that breach or go away. We don't have to contract with a party that is doing these kinds of things. That's not retaliation. That's deciding who your contract partners are. 
It would be the equivalent of somebody suing the Epic Game Store for not allowing their product into the game store and saying, Epic, you have to enter into this agreement with us because you have some fans and some people that are available to purchase our game over there and you won't let us into your store. How are you doing that, monopolist? That's the kind of argument that Epic makes throughout this document. And one of the reasons why in the thumbnail to this video, I wanted people to be very clear as to what's happening here. Apple is trying to end its relationship with Epic or very specifically trying to get Epic to roll back to what it was doing before so that Apple and Epic can both make a billion dollars, 700 and 300 as they had been before Epic decided to make this move. And Epic says that's not good enough. We want to force you to support what we are doing on your OS. We want to support you. We want to force you to support our development of the Unreal Engine. We want to force you to sell our product and allow us to go around the horn and not give you any cut or any money in respect thereof. That is what's at issue here. And use of the words like retaliation, not so unusual, coming from a litigator, hide the ball a little bit. The reason why they say they should get this preliminary injunctive relief are as follows. First, Apple's actions harm millions of innocent consumers worldwide. The players who enjoy Fortnite and other Epic games, which will sever their trust with Epic, a loss that is impossible to quantify. This is the kind of thing where you say, well, perhaps you should have thought about that before you breached your contract and then sued them for antitrust violations. Because Apple has now removed Fortnite from the App Store, iOS users cannot receive updates and will soon be stranded in an outdated version of the game, unable to connect with family and friends who will play future versions on other platforms. iOS users will also lose access to new content that Epic regularly releases, such as the eagerly anticipated new season of the game, scheduled to launch at the end of this month. In addition, Apple's retaliation represents an existential threat to Epic's Unreal Engine. This is the kind of thing that the lawyers discuss with CEO Tim Sweeney or the other vice presidents of Epic when they say, are you sure you want to take this action? Because Apple has essentially every right to say, okay, if you want to do these kinds of things, you can have this fight, absolutely, but we don't have to have you as part of our developer program. We don't have to support your efforts to do this. If you want to sideload, if you want to break into the OS, you can go and pursue that court action. More power to you. We're going to fight it every step of the way, but we don't have to support you in our developer program. That's taking our services. That's taking our access and forcing it from us in a way that business just simply doesn't operate. So when you say, well, if Apple cuts off our developer relationship, then that's a problem for Unreal Engine. That's the kind of thing where Apple, or in my opinion, the judge is likely to say that's what you should have thought about. OS providers like Apple routinely make certain software and developer tools available to software developers for free or a small fee to enable the development of software that will run on the OS. Apple intends to deny Epic access to that widely available material. And without that access, Epic cannot develop future versions of the Unreal Engine for use on iOS or Mac OS. Yeah, it's a business relationship. In general, without a lawsuit pending, Apple would say, yeah, we want you to support these things. So we make it available and we help you do that on our operating system. And Epic says, we want to make money. We want to sell licenses to the engine. We want to support people that use the engine. And so we have an alignment of interests. But you don't just go and ask the government or the court to say, even if we don't have that alignment, you have to force it. Second, 
Epic is likely to prevail on the merits of its antitrust games. We'll shorten this because we're going to actually talk about this section. But as you've seen in the previous videos, they have two lawsuits. They think they're going to win. You wouldn't file them if you didn't think you were going to win. And part of actually seeking a temporary restraining order is to go and tell the court, we are going to win that. So this isn't getting in anybody's way if you grant this before a final decision of the court, because we are ultimately going to win the whole darn thing. That's normal, totally an acceptable argument, even if I disagree with the merits of their case. Continuing on, they then say that we are also likely to succeed, not just with respect to the antitrust per se tie-in claim that we have brought, but also under the rule of reason, which is a more kind of empathetic, not black letter law kind of reckoning that antitrust can afford. It says Epic will be able to show anti-competitive effects in the iOS in-app payment processing market, but for Apple's tie, Epic, other app developers, and dedicated third-party payment processors could enter and compete for market share, which would cause increased innovation and lower prices, and there is no legitimate pro-competitive justification for Apple's restraint. Now, as you've heard in this series and in my previous videos, I think there are plenty of pro-competitive justifications for Apple saying we get to control who appears on our store and in our operating system, and we're going to talk about those as part of this video as well. But Epic's major kind of thrust of the argument here is that we are harmed, we are harmed irreparably, and we are going to win the case, so judge, you should just give us this early. That's what they are trying to say. This is not just about those developer tools. They're actually trying to ask the judge to just put Fortnite back the way it was, not before they added direct payment processing, but including that direct payment processing, because after all, they're going to win this whole thing anyway. And in my opinion, that's not an argument that is very likely to fly. Although I do think that a judge could potentially split the baby, and we will talk about that as part of this video as well. So skipping ahead, we've got the factual background. If you're in this space, chances are you know what Fortnite is, you know what Apple is. They have the existing arguments about exactly what the iOS app distribution market is. They say Apple has a monopoly over their own operating system, a monopoly over the ability to distribute apps within that operating system. And they have a monopoly in the in-app payment processing market, which is very important for Epic to establish as a second market because they want, as their primary argument here, to say that Apple has illegally tied the app distribution market, the overall kind of processing of getting a Fortnite downloaded onto your phone, and in-app payment processing, which should be distinct, and that Apple shouldn't be realizing the cut that they are realizing because this isn't about store access or anything like that. This is just payment processing, and they are overcharging for that particular processing aspect. It's a very difficult case to make. I know a number of you have come into my comments and said, well, they are monopolists in the, their own iOS and things like that. We're going to talk about that a little bit more as well. But one of the really, really tricky things is they have to establish that 70-30 for buying a game is different than 70-30 for buying another aspect of the game within the app itself. And that's going to be very difficult for them. And I've said that in the previous videos. I will say it again in this one. But that is what they have to try to show in order to win this case at the end of the day. They also wind up saying, hey, we are just challenging Apple's monopolistic uh, content. They've retaliated against us. And we get a great description of what actually happened here. So one of the things that you can get from these kinds of filings is very interesting, uh, is a description of the actual events that occurred behind the scenes, things that we didn't see in journalistic outlets. And I always like checking these things out. And they say, following a beta test, the mobile version of Fortnite launched on iOS in April 2018. Fortnite has been available on the App Store ever since. 
Epic, Epic submitted Fortnite version 13.40 to Apple for a pre-launch review on August 3rd, 2020, and it was launched to iOS users shortly thereafter. Version 13.40 integrated functionality that allowed it to support multiple payment options alongside IAP. When users sought to make a purchase, the app queried Epic's servers as to which payment processors were available. If the server indicated only one processor, then the user would see that one option and continue with the purchase using that option. If the server indicated that more than one option was available, the user would be presented with a screen asking the user to select the desired payment processor. On the morning of August 13th, 2020, Epic's servers began informing the Fortnite iOS app that an Epic Direct payment option was available, along with Apple's IAP. Because Epic's direct payment does not carry the 30% app tax that Apple imposes on transactions with IAP, Epic could offer reduced pricing to users that chose direct payment. Note that they allied the number that Epic actually used, which was a 20% discount, not a 30% one, despite spending pages and pages in their lawsuits saying that only 3% is what anybody anywhere should be charging for in-app payment processing. Wonder what happened to that extra 7%? I bet you could ask Mr. Sweeney. To make this payment choice available, the app did not download any executable code. Instead, the code performed the same server check that it had done previously, but upon receiving notice of the two payment options, the code made both options accessible to the users. In other words, the app that they had put forward to get reviewed didn't change. It just was always contacting the server and they made a server side change and the server said, yep, we've got a green light, everything's a go as of August 13th. This is what they are trying to base their case on that Apple doesn't have a leg to stand on because the code didn't change on the morning of August 13th. This is not a winning proposition. The process of notifying an app to make existing functionality and updated content accessible to users through interaction with the developer server is called a hotfix, and the practice is common within the industry. For example, new characters or items in a game can be made available to users upon notification from a developer server. It's how their market rotates and how everybody's market rotates. This process is also used for testing different versions of a feature to assess which is more successful. Indeed, the practice is so common in the industry that there are companies that specialize in helping developers deliver hotfixes. Epic has made hotfixes to Fortnite for years without Apple objection. A whole set of legal language and a set of paragraphs that mean absolutely nothing because the actual functionality of the app changed and they didn't tell Apple about it. After Epic's hotfix, Apple removed Fortnite from the App Store at around 11.19 a.m. Pacific time and posted a notice to an Epic developer program account explaining Apple's purported reasons for removal. Apple also issued a public statement claiming that it will make every effort to work with Epic so that they can return Fortnite to the App Store. And helpfully, they have actually put forth in this document the notification that they received from Apple on August 13th. Hello, Epic Games team. We've determined that your app is in violation of the App Store review guidelines detailed below. For these reasons, your app has been remo removed from the App Store until we receive an update that is compliant with the App Store review guidelines. Customers who have previously downloaded this app will continue to have access to it on their devices and will have access to any available in-app purchase products. Specifically, we found your app is in violation of the following. Business payments, in-app purchase. Your app unlocks or enables additional functionality with mechanisms other than the App Store, which is not appropriate for the App Store. Specifically, we found that users are able to purchase digital goods with external purchase mechanisms in your app with the Epic Direct Payment feature. And indeed, we talked about this in our prior videos. Section 3.1.1 in their own guidelines 
says, if you want to unlock features or functionality within your app, you must use in-app purchase. You must use the app store payment methodology. And further, you are allowed to have things bought off-site, but you must not directly or indirectly target iOS users to use a purchasing method other than in-app purchase. These are the rules that Epic agreed to abide by, and that's what Apple says. Hey, you can't do that. They also say, hey, we discovered that your app contains hidden features. Attempting to hide features, functionality, or content in your app is considered egregious behavior and can lead to removal from the Apple developer program. That word egregious is useful, and we will see it come up again. But what they are trying to say is, hey, you agreed not to hide things. Don't include any hidden or undocumented features in your app. Your app's functionality should be clear to end users and, more importantly from Apple's perspective, app review. We need to know what we are looking at. We have limited resources. You can't hide things from us. And if you do, it will be grounds for removal from the developer program. As they say, egregious or repeated behavior is grounds for that removal. And they are trying to set the stage right here. Hey, this probably does fall under egregious. So you should be concerned about that. Next steps, review the performance section. Ensure your app is in compliance. Revise or remove the hidden features from your app and continue onward. During review, your app downloaded, installed, or executed code which introduced changes to features and functionality in your app, which is not permitted on the App Store. This is where Epic is basically fighting, right? They say, well, the app didn't change. It just got a different call. And maybe Epic wins that, but they lose everything else. They also note that you didn't give accurate metadata. You didn't say what was new. You didn't say this was going in to the app when you ask for its approval. That goes to the kind of hidden argument, and that's what Apple said. Apple said, look, You signed this contract. You're violating it in all these various ways. We sent you this notice and we'd be happy to get it to a place where Fortnite is back in compliance with the terms that we've agreed to. Apple then posted another notice at 12.04 a.m. Pacific time. In the second notice, Apple said it found Fortnite in direct violation of the Apple Developer Program License Agreement and stated it will terminate Epic's membership in its developer program within 14 days if Epic did not remove Fortnite's alternative in-app payment system and comply with other demands. Apple stated that if it terminates Epic, then Epic may no longer submit apps to the App Store and its apps still available for distribution will be removed. Apple also stated that it will cut off Epic's access to a list of tools, including all Apple software, software development kits, application programming interfaces, and developer tools, as well as pre-release versions of iOS, macOS, and other Apple OSs. Finally, Apple stated that unless Epic capitulates, you'll note that that isn't in quotes because Apple definitely didn't use that term, Apple will also block engineering efforts to improve hardware and software performance of Unreal Engine on Mac and iOS hardware and optimize Unreal Engine for the Mac for creative workflows. Now that sentence is framed in such a way, a little litigation trick here to suggest that what they're saying is that for whatever reason, Epic wouldn't be able to continue engineering efforts. That's in fact not what the letter says. But thankfully, again, because this is such a fulsome document, thank you, Epic, for putting this up there, we can actually see what Apple said in its next letter. Upon further review of the activity associated with your Apple Developer Program membership, we have identified several violations of the Apple Developer Program License Agreement. Therefore, your Apple Developer Program account will be terminated if the violations set forth below are not cured within 14 days. They found a violation of 6.1, changes in your application after submission to Apple. They found a problem with section 3.2.2, an application may not download or install executable code, 3.3.3, without Apple's prior written approval or is permitted under this other section, an application may not provide, unlock, or enable additional features through distribution mechanisms other than the App Store or custom app distribution or test flight. As of now, your membership in the Apple Developer Program is suspended. 
When you accepted the Apple Developer Program License Agreement, you expressly agreed in Section 3.1c to comply with the terms of and fulfill your obligations under this agreement, as one would expect. And in Section 3.2f, to not directly or indirectly commit any act intended to interfere with the Apple software or services, the intent of this agreement or Apple's business practices, including but not limited to, taking actions that may hinder the performance or intended use of the App Store. As you have breached your obligations under this agreement, Apple will exercise its right to terminate your developer program under Section 11.2 if the violations described above are not cured within 14 days. Now, we can go look at Section 11.2 because, again, Epic was nice enough to put forth the entire developer license agreement. I highly recommend checking it out if you're interested in these kinds of things. It's very, very long. It is very fulsome. Uh, and it probably will be a video someday in this space when we aren't otherwise dealing with imminent lawsuits and temporary restraining orders. But 11.2 says a number of things. It says termination. This agreement and all rights and licenses granted by Apple hereunder and any services provided hereunder will terminate effective immediately upon notice from Apple that if you or your authorized developers have failed to comply with any term of this agreement other than those set forth here and failed to cure such breach within 30 days after becoming aware of or receiving notice of such breach. So that's a, a foot fault usually. That's a, oh, you did something wrong. You're in breach of the contract. We notify you of it and you have 30 days to correct it. No, Apple only gave Epic 14 days in this particular issue. And that's because skipping down to F, if you engage or encourage others to engage in any misleading, fraudulent, improper, unlawful, or dishonest act relating to this agreement, including but not limited to misrepresenting the nature of your submitted application, for example, hiding or trying to hide functionality from Apple's review, falsifying consumer reviews for your application, or engaging in payment fraud, etc., then what we can do is we can terminate you immediately. It says this agreement can be terminated immediately upon notice from Apple if you engage in those acts, including hiding or trying to hide functionality. So Apple says, we could turn this off right now. We are instead going to give you 14 days. More importantly for this entire dis discussion, because Epic is going and asking the court to say, Apple is not allowed to terminate our developer agreement. And they have to put Fortnite back, but we're going to put that aside for just a second. They aren't allowed to terminate our developer agreement because people will be hurt without Fortnite. They'll be hurt without Unreal Engine. And that's just not the way the contract works. Either party may terminate this agreement for its convenience, for any reason or no reason, effective 30 days after providing the other party with written notice of its intent to terminate. If this didn't happen, and two months ago, Apple just said, you know what, we don't like you. We think Fortnite advocates for cartoon violence and is a uh, problem for the entirety of societal infrastructure. We don't like you. We're not going to support it anymore. You are no longer an authorized developer. Apple doesn't have an obligation to have you enter into this relationship with them. They are allowed to terminate it. So are you, Epic, and anybody else. And because of that, they always had this right. This isn't a retaliation kind of concept. The court might well decide to do something like enjoin Apple from exercising this right, but that would be odd. Apple could always terminate regardless of what else was happening. And Apple has said, if you don't fix this, then we are going to terminate under the rights that we have signed up to in section 11.2 and rights that you agreed with when you signed up to the contract originally. It doesn't matter any of the rest of this stuff in the court case. We are always allowed to choose who we do business with and you are allowed to do the same. In fact, that's exactly how you operate the Epic Games Store, right? You sign up for specific exclusives. You deny others access to the store. That's what you do. That's how business operates. You get to choose who you do business with and we at Apple want to choose that as well. Epic says that shouldn't be allowed. 
Epic says, when you talk about these things, this is so important. Connecting with friends and family through Fortnite is so important that the court should step in and say, regardless of Apple's rights, we should be allowed to force them to do business with us. This came up in a lot of comments to my videos as well that said, well, you know, they have a worst case against Google because you can sideload. And one of the things I point out in that video and elsewhere in the comments is that Epic isn't just seeking to have sideloads allowed, isn't just seeking to have their stuff on an OS that otherwise doesn't want it. They are seeking to have Google and Apple support that, to have Google and Apple host their infrastructure, host their games, put them up for the market and still allow Epic to undercut them, still allow Epic to have a different app store, that Apple's terms shouldn't be applied, that Epic should anyway, get support from Apple, should get engineering tools, should get software development kits, should get APIs and whatever else, because Epic is Epic and they're fighting for liberty and truth and justice and whatever else they say in all these particular legal frameworks. So that's the context of all this, is that Apple sent this letter, said, hey, we're going to take away all this stuff. And then Epic says the consequences from those actions would be immediate and grave. As a result of Apple's removal of Fortnite from the App Store, no new users can download the game, and users who already downloaded it can no longer receive updates. Because Fortnite players must have the same software version to play online together, this will very quickly break Fortnite for iOS players. After the next Fortnite update, all iOS Fortnite users will be so stranded, unable to play the game with their friends and family who have updated the game on non-iOS platforms. Of course, Epic could decide not to update and pause the season while pending litigation was in effect, but then that would cost them money on selling seasons on the other platforms. Apple's actions to block Epic from accessing the suite of tools all developers use to make software compatible with Apple products is a direct attack on the ongoing viability of the Unreal Engine. It would make it impossible for Epic to continue developing the engine for use on iOS and macOS devices. Third-party developers who rely on the Unreal Engine to power their software on Apple devices will not choose to use the Unreal Engine if it is incompatible with Apple OSs. But Apple doesn't have an obligation to provide software kits or other tools to help Unreal Engine or Epic Games or anyone else, and that's stated plainly in their contract. Now we get to the argument, right? Now we get to the argument of what Epic wants to say here. They want to say they're harmed. They need this fix from the court. Apple shouldn't be allowed to do these things. The court should put Fortnite back and allow direct payment. They should restrain Apple from making any changes to Fortnite or from removing it from their store. And they should essentially, they say, restrain Apple from doing all these bad things. But really, they should be forced to give all of this extra support to Epic, regardless of what Epic would otherwise say. Epic's requested relief would restore Fortnite to its status before Apple's most recent anti-competitive actions, allow it to offer consumers the lower prices competition enables, and prevent Apple from crippling Fortnite, all other Epic apps, and Epic's Unreal Engine, while Apple's conduct is being adjudicated. Now, they have to show that they're likely to suffer irreparable harm, that they're likely to succeed on the merits, that the balance of equities tip in their favor, and that the injunction is in the public interest, which is what they now endeavor to do. So first, they say that they will suffer irreparably if they don't get this preliminary injunction, if Apple is allowed to take Fortnite off the store and is allowed to end Epic's inclusion in the developer program. Now, what's important here is irreparable. We've talked about this in virtual legality in the past, but in general, the court doesn't think that money is irreparable damage, right? If you lose even $100 million, Apple's good for it. 
then if you win your case at the end of the day, you go and you say, Apple, you owe us $100 million and Apple pays the $100 million and you go about your business. You only get to go seek a preliminary injunction before a court of law has actually decided that you are right if, among other things, you can show the court that if they didn't take this action, money really couldn't solve the problem. And so what Epic winds up saying here is that this is effectively about goodwill, right? It says, first, without the latest Fortnite version, existing iOS users are doomed to obsolescence within weeks. Again, based on an action that Epic will decide to take on their own. They will be unable to play Fortnite with most other players. And that is because for the multiplayer gameplay to function, each player in a match must have the same software version. While all this results from Apple's retaliation, it is common in the video game industry for problems to reflect negatively on the developer, even if there are external causes. Indeed, in the time since Apple removed Fortnite, Epic received many customer support tickets expressing confusion or disappointment that players could not download the latest version from the App Store. Similar complaints abound on social media. We'll get to those. These are the words of regular people, parents seeking to spend time with their children, players who invested time and money in the game but have no other options for play, and anyone seeking a wonderful escape at a time we need to be home. Again, Epic's trying to pull on your heartstrings. This generally doesn't work on the court. Epic has made its choices. It has made its bed. They can make money at the end of the day. And it's very unlikely, especially with the public relations campaign that Epic and Fortnite engaged in at moment one of filing this lawsuit, that they are likely to have customers that are confused about what's going on. But even if that were the case, the fact that Epic might be harmed in terms of goodwill because Apple exerted even a termination for convenience right that they always held is not something that the court would necessarily think to step in on. Second, if Apple terminates Epic's developer program account, the Unreal Engine would wither. Without necessary development tools, Epic cannot develop future updates for the Unreal Engine for Apple's operating systems and would be forced to discontinue the Unreal Engine for those platforms. That is a problem right now. Developers making apps for multiple platforms or specifically for Apple devices will choose other engines instead of the Unreal Engine to ensure their programs can keep working on Apple products. But again, Apple doesn't have to support or give tools to you to support the Unreal Engine. And the Unreal Engine can be supported without Apple's help. It's just a lot more difficult and costly. Second, Epic is highly likely to succeed on the merits of its antitrust claims. Like I said, we're going to skip a lot of this. These are the same arguments that are brought up elsewhere in the series. You can go check out those either in It Was a Trap, A Lawyer Discusses Epic versus Apple, or Round 2, A Lawyer Reacts to Epic's Google Lawsuit, where we talk about all the specifics that Epic has gone into. For the most part, what they are trying to do is take two markets, the market for the initial distribution of the app, the market for the in-app payment processing, establish them as two separate markets, which is very difficult to do, and then say that Apple is illegally tying the monopolistic access to its phone and its OS to the use of in-app purchases. Now, you might ask yourself, how are those different? Why is Epic focused on this tying and this in-app purchase concept? But if you do ask yourself that, it's pretty self-evident why that is, in fact, the case. They don't sell Fortnite. They don't sell Fortnite at all. What they sell are V-Bucks. What they sell is currency and special outfits within Fortnite. And so if the distribution model weren't really broken down which it might well not be, they don't care as much as if they can break down that in-app purchase model. That's where they make the money. In fact, that's where a lot of app developers make their money on the app store. And if they can say, Apple, you don't get to actually get 30% of that particular interaction, then they are going to be much 
much better off. So you have a lot of legal arguments here. You have a lot of these discussion points about why we are going to win. You can go and check out those other videos for exactly the reasons why I think they are not likely to win. But I would also leave you with a brief metaphor. Apple opened up a circus tent. Apple opened up a circus tent and decided to sell tickets to that circus tent to people that were interested in going to Apple's circus. They sold those tickets and so many people got interested in that particular circus tent that a number of vendors came and let's just call them Epic Popcorn came up and said, hey, we'd like to sell our popcorn in your circus tent. And Apple said, sure, absolutely. You can sell your popcorn in our circus tent, but we are going to charge you for essentially the space in that circus tent. We're going to say, we are going to get 30% of the revenues that you generate from the sales of the popcorn. Epic Popcorn looked at it and said, you know what? Just for the access to the people that are super interested in your tent and in your circus environment, that makes sense to us. We are going to sell our popcorn for 70 cents on the dollar. You're going to get the other 30 cents. We're all going to make out like bandits because your tent just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And more people want to shop for popcorn at your circus tent. Then Epic said, well, but what if we sell butter? What if we have artificial butter that goes on the popcorn? That's totally fine. But we want to sell totally organic, farm-grown, all this great stuff. We want to sell specific butter to people. We're going to charge an extra dollar for that popcorn. And Apple's circus tent folks say, yeah, absolutely. You can definitely do that. We get 70 cents and you get 30 cents. Epic says, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine for a while. But instead, after a time, they say, well, you know what? You're illegally tying the sale of our popcorn to the sale of our butter. And that's a monopolistic practice because nobody else can get into this circus tent without buying a ticket from you. So because you have monopoly access to this circus that you built and that you acquired a market for and that so many people are interested in, then it makes sense for us to want to sell popcorn here. We are instead going to say that instead of giving you 30 cents on the butter, we're going to give you zero cents on the butter. We're going to take all the money from the butter ourselves. Maybe we'd still give you 70 cents or 30 cents on the popcorn, but also we're going to give away the popcorn for free and only sell butter. And Apple says, well, that wasn't the deal. That wasn't the contract we entered into. We're kicking you out. We entered into a deal. It was 70-30. You can't sell your popcorn here. Epic, standing outside the circus tent, looks around and says, well, we really want to because you have a billion or 1.5 billion people going into your circus tent, and it would really make us a lot of money to sell our popcorn in there. So we are going to sue you for monopolistic access to your circus tent, which you built and created and only allowed people in that had tickets. And that's the Epic claim. Epic wants to make a distinguishing point between the popcorn and the butter, and they want to say that if you create something and you monopolize the access to that thing, that you should be held in violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. That's the best metaphor I can give for all this. That is what they are claiming across both of these lawsuits. They, of course, have a bigger problem with Google on the access question because Google actually allows you to set up a different tent right next door. They still support it. The groundskeepers still cover your, your tent right next door, but you're allowed to open it. And all Epic can say is that it's too hard. Epic just winds up saying it's it's too hard to do these kinds of things. It's too hard to open up these areas. And they say very much the same thing here in the Apple case. If we go and look at it, say purchases outside an app are not substitutes for in-app purchases of in-app content. The essence of an in-app purchase is that the user need not leave the app itself to buy content for that app. Navigating to a website outside the app or making a telephone call to a call center to buy content for use in an app are not viable substitutes for in-app purchasing capability because they require more steps and break the user experience. Remaining in the app is far less cumbersome than toggling back and forth between the app and a browser, on the same device, mind you, to type in credit card details on a website for every purchase. 
And many in-app transactions are inexpensive microtransactions, situational or both, meaning that users who had to leave the app would be very unlikely to make the purchase. I love that sentence there, right? Because that's epic telling a judge, look, judge, to be honest here, some of these are really stupid and we really need to trick people. And if they have to go and think about it, even to hit the Safari button on their iPhone, they're not going to buy it from us. So please help lower the friction because we really need to trick these people to make this money. And if we have this additional friction, that's going to be a problem. I love that sentence. If I were Apple, I would quote that sentence back at them. And note that a lot of Epic's other app developers don't have this problem. If you were looking around in the news this past week, you saw that Disney is offering a Mulan purchase through the Disney Plus app for $30. And eventually they will have a button that allows you to purchase that through the phone. Presumably, in order to comply with the developer guidelines, they will have that button. But for right now, they essentially have a kick out that says, hey, it'll be available on this browser later. And they don't say anything about the in-app purchases because Disney will make more money if you go and you buy it from the Disney Plus web browser experience than if you buy it directly from your phone. People work around this all the time. And I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying that Apple shouldn't maybe rethink exactly how it splits these things and maybe enter into separate agreements with everybody. But it's their ecosystem to maintain and to control. And nobody else is having difficulties with these kinds of things. Only Epic who says, hey, if we couldn't trick people in-app on a situational basis, well, we probably wouldn't be able to sell anything at all. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a statement that doesn't really help them in the public interest side of things, which is what we will see essentially next. So they say they're going to win this case. I have my doubts. I think it's a weak case. But then you get into the real stuff, right? Because even if they have a good monopoly case, even if they have a good Apple's exerting too much power case, they're tying these things together. You could still say if you're Apple, well, all right, Maybe we lose that case, but we still don't have to give you access to our ecosystem. Maybe we're tying iOS together, which is something that you want. Maybe we're tying the IAP to that iOS, which is also something that you want. Excuse me. But we don't have to give you that access. And so we're just turning off the developer contract that we've entered into with you. And then you get to section D here, which is fantastic. Apple's refusal to let Epic access the iOS is denial of an essential facility. Epic is also likely to succeed in demonstrating that Apple denies it the use of an essential facility and thereby establish Apple's liability under Section 2 of the Sherman Act, I I think. Smartphones have become an essential tool for daily life, used for work, entertainment, social communication, banking, healthcare, and more. It's good that they squeezed entertainment in there. In fact, for decades now, the U.S. government has provided subsidies and other benefits to ensure low-income individuals have access to essential cellular phone services through the Lifeline program. And with a billion users and massive network effects, iOS has become a paradigmatic essential facility for app distributors and developers alike. I want to break this down for you. Epic is trying to say that phones are so important that Apple has to give access to Epic. Note that this actual argument doesn't end with Epic. There's no logical endpoint to this. So if you just wanted to break into the Apple iOS, you could use this paragraph if the court were to uphold it and say, Apple's phones are an essential service. I want to be on there. I want to be supported. I want them to give me developer tools and I want to pay them nothing because it's an essential facility. The essential facilities doctrine imposes on the owner of a facility that cannot reasonably be duplicated and which is essential to competition in a given market, a duty to make that facility available to its competitors on a non-discriminatory basis. Yeah, you're talking about telecoms usually and landlines and things along those lines. Here you've got an iPhone. 
it is absolutely duplicated. As a matter of fact, in their other lawsuit, they established that the iOS itself is less than 25% or something along those lines of all cell phone mobile device operating systems. You have a similar problem on the Google side where you establish that other people can install things on that specific operating system. You have duplication of the OS. You have duplication of the cell phone. You have duplication of the entertainment. Fortnite is available not just on iOS or Google, but also on your PC, your Switch, your Xbox, your your, uh, PlayStation, and probably some refrigerators somewhere. You are absolutely able to play Fortnite if you want to do so. Instead, they tell the court that Epic is likely to show that Apple controls the iOS platform, an essential facility by raw assertion. Epic is Apple's potential competitor in the iOS app distribution market and is unable to duplicate the iOS. See, that's not the question. The question is whether you can go somewhere else that duplicates the experience. Apple has refused to provide Epic reasonable and non-discriminatory access to the iOS, even though it is feasible for Apple to provide such access. That Apple built a phone built an operating system, and not only do they have to, according to Epic, support your ability to come in and offer direct payment and violate all their terms of service, not tell them what's in your app, hide things with remote server calls, but they have to support it because it's feasible for them to do so. And where does this argument end? It ends nowhere. Who wants access to the Apple operating system? If it's an essential facility, which it's not, but if it were, then anybody anywhere could say, yeah, uh, point to this precedent and you have to force us to be on Apple service. Apple has to support us because sideloading is too hard because punching out to a different browser tab is too hard, judge. First, for the reasons stated above, Epic is likely to show that iOS is an essential facility that Apple controls. Okay, why? Because 1 billion people use iPhones or iPads. So, okay, it's pretty popular, but that's not even a substantial portion of the global population. Without access to iOS, Epic cannot offer its app store to all these users. Oh, you, you want access to the market. Well, sure, that makes sense. Second, for the same reasons, competing app distributors cannot reasonably or practically duplicate iOS as an alternate means to reach consumers in the iOS app distribution market. Yeah, well, you've set that tautologically, right? Your definition is iOS app distribution is distribution on the iOS, and you can't create a duplicate iOS to distribute apps in the iOS. Totally true. Also not terribly useful for the legal question. Nor could app distributors reasonably create or use an alternative OS to reach those iOS consumers. There are enormous barriers to entry in developing a new mobile ecosystem and existing iOS users face high switching costs. It would be too hard for us to compete. So you have to force us to be allowed to operate with full Apple support on their operating system. Third, Apple has barred Epic's access to iOS in its capacity as an app distributor. Uh, Well, so that's all going to go into effect on the 28th, but right now they have been suspended, I believe. Apple allows no other app stores on iOS and conditions app developers access to iOS on their agreement not to distribute third-party app stores. Consequently, Epic cannot place its competing app store on iOS, regardless of the price it is willing to pay for access, for closing it from competing in the iOS app distribution market. Fourth, it would be feasible for Apple to give Epic access to launch an app store on the iOS. Indeed, Epic's competing app store is available on the OS for Apple's personal computer, the Mac, which shows there are no barriers to making third-party app stores available on iOS 2. Apple's refusal to provide Epic and other app distributors with access to iOS to distribute apps on reasonable and non-discriminatory terms is the anti-competitive denial of an essential facility. There is no discrimination in terms of competitors on these terms. The terms are the terms. Everybody else has agreed to them. Epic agreed to them for a time. Apple didn't change their terms. And all of this goes back to their lawsuit issues, which is that they are really struggling to establish that 
There is actual anti-competitor behavior happening here. That because they say Apple has a monopoly on its distribution practices and they charge 70-30, then they wouldn't be able to charge 70-30 if they weren't a monopolistic provider, except Steam sits right there on the PC that Epic wants to use as a panacea, charging 70-30 on all purchases made through its storefront. So Epic has a fundamental issue even establishing this at the first instance level and now wants to claim that access to the Apple phone is essential, that everybody should be allowed to do it, that the court has to allow this because otherwise Apple would be denying them an essential facility that everyone has access to when the truth of the matter is what they want access to is over 1 billion people that use iPhones or iPads. They also try to say the balance of hardships tips sharply in Epic's favor favor. On the one hand, Epic faces near-term irreparable harm from the imminent suspension of millions of Fortnite players. Again, they have no right to have their game on the iOS in general. And then they start to say, well, it's also the public interest that supports a preliminary injunction. Finally, a preliminary injunction that preserves status quo access to the latest Fortnite content for millions of players at lower prices is strongly in the public interest. The public interest inquiry primarily addresses impact on non-parties. Now, this is a tough one. This is a video game. This is Fortnite. When we go and we talk about essential facilities, it's one thing to say a cell phone is essential. It's one thing to say, well, the government subsidizes the use of cell phones so that you can communicate with people, so that you can dial 911. Everybody has a cell phone now. Landlines are kind of going away. It's a leap from there to Fortnite is essential. That the Unreal Engine on those phones is essential. And so you wind up with discussions like this. It is strongly in the public interest to force Apple to allow Epic to sell Fortnite with a direct payment option. The judge is very likely to look at this and say, really? It's, it's in the public interest to sell Fortnite in this fashion. LinkedIn, the case that they cite, is instructive. There, the plaintiff sought to enjoin LinkedIn from restricting its access to publicly available user data. LinkedIn argued that a preliminary injunction was against the public interest because permitting such unilateral data collection from its website would invite security threats. Affirming entry of the preliminary injunction, the Ninth Circuit found that LinkedIn had options for technological self-help against bad actors besides restricting plaintiff's access and that LinkedIn's interest in security was outweighed by the possibility that its conduct would create information monopolies. Now that's publicly available information that LinkedIn was trying to hide behind a paywall. And Epic wants to use that as an analogy to running code that they didn't tell Apple about on server calls that they didn't tell Apple about to undercut Apple's business model, which I think even Epic, if you had a gun to their head, would admit should be something that Apple should make some amount of money from having Fortnite available on their operating system and to link it to LinkedIn, essentially trying to take information and create information monopolies. They then say the same is true here. That LinkedIn case, identical to this one. Apple claimed it removed from the latest version of Fortnite from the App Store in part, to keep users safe. Sure, they don't know what they don't know and you didn't tell them what your new app does. These claims are pretextual, they're lies. Apple allows Epic's own direct payment on Mac computers and routinely makes third-party in-app payment processing available on iOS for other kinds of in-app purchases like purchases through Uber and Amazon. Now, Apple clearly has a philosophy to allow services in the physical world and products in the physical world to get outside of the 3070 cut. And you can wonder why that is. You can certainly argue that that should be more clearly detailed in the guidelines that they put forth for all of their developers. But it is clear that Apple has that philosophy. It is also clear that allowing Uber to pay for a cab ride somewhere in San Francisco or Seattle or wherever is a distinctly different risk 
to Apple than having server calls and code that they weren't told about put forth on their games. That anything that is in the code that interacts with their particular hardware is a higher risk to that hardware than something that goes specifically out into the physical world. These are different. And if you're going to say that they are pretextual, you got to do a better job than just they're lying, judge, because they allow certain things on the Mac and the Apple and the iPhone and the iPad are different devices than the Macintosh computer. Conversely, absent an injunction, millions of players of Fortnite on mobile Apple devices will no longer be able to play online with other users on current versions and potential new players will be prevented from downloading those games in the first place. You could see that point raised again and again and again and again and again. They want to frame Apple as a bad actor. They want to frame Fortnite as a fundamental public utility. The cascading effect of losing ongoing Unreal Engine compatibility will threaten the viability of the engine and disrupt development of a constellation of apps and uses that rely on its graphics to render hundreds of video games, the human brain, Baby Yoda, and Spaceflight. Yes, this request for a temporary restraining order includes direct capitalized reference to Baby Yoda. That means you know it's serious. Apple's pretextual interest in security is thus outweighed by the public's interest in competition. But again, back to the circus tent. And what does Epic use to actually justify all of this argument about the public interest? Well, they use Facebook entries and tweets underneath their own post. I'm devastated. I love Fortnite. I am a 44-year-old mom who learned to play to connect with my autistic son. I grew to love and for a mom, I get a VR daily. So pretty good for an old mama. The greatest gift was to connect with my son. And now it's over. I love this game, but this is sad. I guess I get it. But myself and many others have no other ways of playing the game we love if this isn't fixed. It is not good that the two are fighting and us have to pay for them and all the money that we have put into this game. This is so unfair. I'm only good on Apple. I can finally play Fortnite and be good. And this happens. That is so unfair. Dude, this is so important to me. I need Fortnite in my life. I can't live without it. These are in an official legal document presented by Epic Games to establish that restoring Fortnite is in the public interest because a lot of people miss Fortnite. This video game about cartoon bananas shooting other cartoon bananas. So what if a PC player and an iOS player are in the same lobby and both ready up? Will they not be able to get into a game? Nah, they can't play together anymore. Well, thankfully, I have no friends who play on iOS. Probably not a useful one to add, Epic. But it sucks that so many players will either have to swap devices or be stuck playing the same state of the game. I'm honestly really sad. Dude, that's so blank. iOS players are going to be stuck in the past then. Fortnite has been removed from the Apple App Store. Swear, swear, swear. And this goes on and on and on, right? And this is what they're trying to establish is that this is very, very important to what they are trying to do. And so important that they actually wrote a temporary restraining order for the judge and said, hey, you just have to sign this. You just have to prevent Apple from doing the following. Removing, delisting, refusing to list or otherwise making unavailable the app Fortnite, including any update thereof from the app store on the basis that Fortnite offers in-app payment processing. You have to prevent Apple from removing, disabling or modifying Fortnite or from taking any adverse action against Epic. So for the record, the way legal documents read, that's all adverse actions. Taking any adverse action against Epic is everything that Apple could possibly do, including just enforcing their own terms of service. If you were to take this to its logical extreme and this were signed on, and then Epic decided to breach every single term throughout the entire license agreement the day after, then Apple would otherwise be enjoined from taking any action against Epic on any of those fronts. Now, Epic would be slapped in the head probably by the judge for being a bad actor when seeking these kinds of things, but still... You have to be careful when you have this kind of language. They want to prevent Apple from restricting, suspending, or terminating any Epic entity from Apple's developer program. We have to be allowed to work with Apple. Apple has to be forced to work with us regardless 
of what we have otherwise agreed to, regardless of the fact that we both agreed to a termination for convenience right, that we very clearly breached the contract, that our lawsuits don't claim that we didn't. Our lawsuits simply say that the contract itself is illegal, which is an interesting point and one that I think is a weak case, but one that they could potentially win. We don't make those kinds of guarantees here in virtual legality, but that we agreed to all these terms and court, you have to enjoin them from using these terms, even if they are unrelated to the present dispute, because any kind of use of the terms that we agreed to with Apple should be seen as pretextual and retaliatory in an effort to prevent us from stopping their unlawful app store monopoly on their own circus tent. And that's ultimately what Epic's argument comes down to. Says, Judge, let us sell Fortnite. Let us have direct payments. Prevent Apple from stopping us from doing those things and make them give us engineering and other software support for the trouble. And in my opinion, this is once again, like the rest of their lawsuits, a bridge too far. I don't think the judge is likely to give all of this. I certainly think Apple is likely to have a response and maybe we'll do a video on that when it comes in. But I do think, as I mentioned earlier in the video, that there could be a splitting of the baby. There could be something that says, look, guys, you know what? This is going to be a fight. It's an antitrust action. These are long-term affairs. There's reasonable sides that can argue either way. Epic's made some points. Apple and Google will make their own points. But we can't just restore Fortnite to having this direct payment option. So here's what we can do. We can say, Epic, you're going to put Fortnite back the way it was before August 13th. And if you put it back the way it was, Apple will accept it the way it was. You can continue to update it without that direct payment option to comport with the seasons. And Apple, so long as they don't step on another line, that they don't breach another aspect of the contract, and that they update their what's new and handle everything else that they otherwise should be doing as part of updates to their app, that you will allow them to do that. This relationship will continue on while the action is pending, but that we aren't going to have this fight that we don't know the answer to and allow Epic to get all that money from Fortnite, potentially $300 million over the course of two years, if any of the reports are to be believed, without actually getting to a judicial determination of the rightness or wrongness of Epic's position. I can see a judge doing that. I can also see a judge siding with Epic or siding with Apple. Judges, federal judges, especially in antitrust actions, can do any number of things. People ask me to tell you who's going to win this. I think Apple and Google are going to win this. I don't think it's ultimately going to go all the way through a lawsuit. I think there will be some kind of withdrawal or settlement on undisclosed terms, but I think Apple and Google have the better side of it. But just because they have the better side of it doesn't mean that's a guarantee of their winning. Epic could absolutely win this. People that bring federal claims can win them. And so you've got a situation where I do think people should be concerned about what Epic's trying to do here. The arguments that they are using that access to something like an iPhone or potentially like a PlayStation 5 should be deemed essential facilities because people need their Fortnite fix and that everybody else should be allowed to come in regardless of what the terms of service or use of the hardware manufacturer would suggest that they are. And that Epic should otherwise be allowed to bust down all these walls while simultaneously maintaining a monopolistic access point in the Epic Game Store that they themselves get to choose the exact terms and conditions of the business relationships they enter into relating thereto. So I do think that you have a situation where Epic is acting hypocritically, that there are second order effects, that there are consequences on consequences of Epic winning the day here. But I do think that a judge is likely to look at this and say, well, maybe we just unwind this thing. We stop you crazy kids from fighting and we go through this step like adults. We go through this litigation and we discuss all of this while nobody is otherwise harmed. Fortnite, go back to the way you were. And if you refuse to do that, then Apple has every right to kill your developer agreement. That's, I think, the most likely thing to happen, but really anything could.
This has been Virtual Legality for today. Thank you so much for stopping by, for checking out this channel, for having this conversation with us. Please do like, subscribe, share, leave comments about how I'm right or how I'm wrong, how much you agree with Epic or Apple or Google or anyone else, or how you hate them all. I'm happy with all of those comments. I love having the discussion in these videos. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.